<laughs> I believe it's a lame duck. That guy's sitting in the corner. Take no count. Poor guy. Did it himself. Speaking of doing it to yourself, what up, everybody? This is Geeks with Kids, your weekly conversational podcast about all things parenty and geeky. I am your super duper energetic host, Spears. Uh, <laughs> and with me is the always chipper, Eric. Hey. <laughs> the ultra dynamic, James. Hello, how are you? Multi-talented Aaron. Hey! Are you just, <laughs> just going to ignore James's question? <laughs> and ad- adverbing adjective Marty. Nice. <laughs> I think he's doing fine, James. Also an adjective. Yeah. I think cool. he's doing oh, fine. Oh, man, I ran out of things. <laughs> um, but hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Doing pretty good, and you? Oh, I am... I am well. I am nursing my very last bottle of Collective Arts, uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Yes. Ooh, the porter. Nice. Uh, India IPA. Stranger Than Fiction? Yeah. All right. I think. (laughs) What am I drinking? (laughs) Is it beer? It's Collective Arts anyway, and it's delicious. Is it tasty? Yes. Yeah. Then... Stranger than fi- uh, stranger than fiction's the porter. It should be a dark, dark brown color. If it's an IPA, you're either got state of mind or uh, ransack the universe. Ooh. I have removed the label, which means I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna guess ransack the universe. Off I go. Surprise so <laughs> in a bottle. That'd be great, man. If if the uh, I think something like like a craft brewery should do like a mixer pack where nothing is labeled. <laughs> that would Drink be bad for the people that are yeah. gluten, uh... especially the <laughs> the people at Collective Arts who do a lot of work on their labels and have awesome labels. <laughs> That's true. So I assume you peeled it off to mount somewhere, post it up on your wall. Perhaps frame. Possibly. Possibly. Oh, gosh. I can't, re- I can't remember which one, but during the summer, um, one of the labels in their mixer packs had these, this very, like, Jack Kirby-looking uh, kind of artwork. It was really cool. Huh. Like, there were no recognizable characters, but it had that sort of that, like, chunky, crackly kind of look. Like, lots of multiple eyes and, like, ah, it was really cool. I wish I could remember what that was, too. <laughs> If Collective Arts Brewery would like to sponsor a podcast, that will totally correctly identify your products. And we will drink it on the air. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will. And we will promote Happily. it on the air. Over this and could over be part again. of my problem. <laughs> We'd have a mixer pack <laughs> next week. And everybody just has, <laughs> grabs a beer and describes it. <laughs> next week on Geeks with Alcoholism. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Geeks with liver transplants. <laughs> cool. So I don't know any like anything like super new and awesome, exciting happening with y'all this week. Um, I was at the uh, Hamilton Comic Con this this uh, afternoon. Woo! Which nice. Was, uh, which was fun. It was, uh, you know, it's 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 the con that I think is trying. It's it's trying to to develop into something bigger and it really wants to, but I think it's uh, competing with a lot of things going around it. 
it's run by the same guys that do the uh, the Niagara Falls Comic Con, which everybody says is really really good. Yeah, and it's uh, is expanding into three three days next year. But um, and the, it, it's right on the heels of Fan Expo. But uh, no, a lot of fun. Uh, and it was out at a new location this year. It was out at the the Warplane Heritage out at Mount Hope in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So well, right free, by the uh, right by the airport. Yeah. So you know, it was nice to only have to take a fifteen minute ride. Free parking. Uh, admission was reasonable. It was twenty five bucks each to get in. Uh, but you can basically do the whole con in about an hour and a half, realistically. And uh, the saving grace was it did have some panels. It did have reasonable lines, though I think the prices for autographs are a little steep for who you're getting. The same mm-hmm. kind of, like, is it the same, like, pricing scheme as Fan Expo, kind of? Very like similar, but it's very much, you know, it, it, you're right there. You see the people. It's not like the big long lineups that you have at uh, Fan Expo where you'll okay. you know, stand in line. But I, I think in some cases that is also a hindrance because you're right there and the lineups kind of run into the booth. So Bret Hart was there for a very limited time today, and the lineup was basically snaked down and around the convention hmm. uh, as people stood in line waiting to get in, you know an autograph, and then there was a limited window for pictures. And then there was... You do feel sorry for some of these people, though. I mean, you've got Mick Foley, big lineup. Oh, dude. Uh, Coco Beware, people were just kind of like, he's stuck between These are all wrestlers, guys. right? These, These are, are all like wrestling. WWE wrestlers. Legends of wrestling. They're, they're really big on the wrestling, pushing the wrestling at these ones. And I think that's just because of the, so, the association they have. But uh, David Prost, Darth Vader, he was yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Did you see him? You always saw him. He was sitting. He didn't look well. And that leads into, he was supposed to do a panel discussion. So we were waiting for him. It was him. It was going to be the Star Wars panel. Him and the other guest that they had there was a gentleman by the name of Brian Herring, who was the puppeteer of BB-8. So not a big celebrity, not somebody people are going to line up for. He knew that. Oh, yet, yet, though, like, as far as a puppeteer performance goes, like, BB-8 was really impressive. Well, and it's a lot more than people realize. You know, even I didn't realize the extent of the puppeteering and what went into the whole design of the character. But... It was supposed to be the key was David Prowse. He was the big star for the, the con. And they said, right as I was getting ready to start, he's not feeling well. Uh, we're sorry. Um, Brian Herring's going to run this one on his own. This guy came in and kind of going, I know I'm the second banana. And, uh, you know, basically, what do you guys want to ask me? And it's you know, kind of awkward at first. But they had a few, you know, little kids got up there and asked him questions, and it got, and he was very animated, very, uh, uh, some very interesting stories about, you know, specifically like how he, you know, coming up with the character and coming up with the personality and how he got the job, and and uh, basically they said, how did you become a puppeteer? And he says, I lied. They, he says, I showed up to a job, and they said, do you know how to be a puppeteer? He says, oh yeah, I worked on Little Shop of Horrors in London. They says, that's great. When can you start? You know, this is what we want you to do. And they and they basically taught him, saying, well, that's not the way we're going to puppeteer. This is the way we're going to puppeteer. And he was doing a show called Spitting, Splitting Images, which was a very spitting satirical. Image. Spitting Images. Or it's image. been around for a long, long time. Yeah, so he says, I got my job. was I was a, one of the guys that played the corgi in the scenes with the queen. So he says, that was my first puppet. That was my first scene. And he says... Uh, 
I, I, I didn't completely lie. I did work on Little Shop of Horrors. He says, I was a set to, or set uh, mover mm-hmm. on the back. <laughs> so he says, you know, as any good story, he says, how did you get your job? He says, I lied. So, Man, it's so. like the first season of Suits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then every but, other uh, season of Suits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most recent. The most recent is Suits doing Orange is the New Black, apparently. Mm-hmm. Kind of hoping it's done. It seems to have reached its conclusion. Yeah. No, I haven't finished the season. Don't tell well, me yet. Mike's, oh, okay. Mike's on Legends of Tomorrow, so, you know. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Really? He's playing Iron oh, Man. Man. Yeah. Looking forward to that. That'll be good. Yeah, now i got to watch that show. Yeah. Of course you've got to watch that show. It's a good show. It is a good show. I just don't... Uh, Surprisingly Sorry, involved. James, we, we tangented out on you, but... Not the, not the first time we've done that. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, and then it was uh, it was followed by the uh, the wrestlers again. The wrestlers were probably the biggest key, biggest draw. But uh, Mick Foley, Eric Bischoff, and Leaping Lenny Poffo uh, doing a Q and A that could have gone even longer than it did. It was really entertaining. Did you recite poetry? You get guys that can talk on the mic and tell good stories and yeah, recite so poetry. Could, yeah. And recite poetry. He didn't recite a poem, but he did tell the story about how he, that came to be. Mm. And uh, Marty, were you there too? I wasn't there. I just remember leaping Lanny Poffo from back in the day. Yeah, he was the, yeah. He was the, he was the genius, genius for a while. Yes. But yep. he's like Vince. He read a poem at the beginning of, of one show, and Vince said during the break, he says, "Great, from now on, you this is your gimmick. You're going to read a poem before the start of." He says it was great. I had merchandise in. I could sell the frisbees, and he says I had a gimmick. It was great. So, uh, told a few stories, a little bit about Randy, and it was very much about his family and. And uh, But they said, okay, at the very beginning, just to start, Mick Foley goes, yes, it did hurt when The Undertaker threw me off the top of the cage. Yes, I was stupid when I did it. No, I don't want to answer any more questions about the cage. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bischoff was like, no, I did not mow Vern Gagne's lawn in order to get into the business. And uh, I don't want to answer any more questions about that. Leaping Lenny Poffo goes, yes, I did mow over in Gagne's lawn. I do anything in order to get into the business. <laughs> and that's how it starts. So it really set a tone. It was, uh, and uh, I was even surprised. I was with Chuck and, you know, she was, she was all excited to see Mick Foley because your daughter, she, Chuck, Chuck is my daughter. Yeah. So, or Chuck L and, uh, Chuckle, she, <laughs> Chuck L. Yeah. The Kryptonian <laughs> Joker. But that is she, a terrifying concept. <laughs> that's why I gave it to her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she was, she was like, she only knows Mick Foley from watching little bits of Raw uh, now with him as the, the general manager. Or Holy Foley, where he dresses up as Santa Claus and basically the, the sitcom, kind of like a, an Osbournes type sitcom, but with his family. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got up there. She was going to ask a question, too. The, the lineups were just so long. She didn't get up there. But, uh, That's too bad. But no, it was, it was fun to... To, you know, we were we were only a couple feet away from them, and and you know, they, they they can all talk, and they can, and even Eric Bischoff. I wound up going up to him at the end of the uh, of the con. He was sitting there. Not many people going up to really you know, get autographs or pay for his. Everybody was there for Foley. I mean, Bischoff is you know, I mean, he was a heel for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I, I it changed my opinion of him listening him to him talk as a guy that's now out of the industry, right? And I. I I think if I had had the time, I would have loved to have loved to have asked him about 
what he feels is going on with the uh, the TNA wrestling and its big demise. You know, this weekend basically is on life support, being, possibly being sold to the WWE. Oh wow! Of all people, so what's really and, left? Yeah, then so with, I mean, they're they're. So what's really left then? With well, I mean, wrestling. you got your just WWE. Well, you got your Japanese. You've got your Mexican. Jeff Jarrett's got his independent promotion, but it's basically TNA wrestling is on life support. And it would have been really interesting because he was, he didn't even mention anything about it, which was kind of ironic because hmm. that's the last place he was. But uh, no, it was, it was, it's a nice con, good place. You know, you could move around it. Uh, I think I'd like more, but at the same time, it's, it is what it is. It's a small con. And if they treat it, uh, they, they can grow it. I just hope they don't try growing it too fast. Right. Yeah, because you can kind of lose more than you gain. But hmm. any um, any lessons learned or insights in terms of uh, going to the con with uh, with Chuck? Yeah, bring more money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean she's really good. We we kind of you know we we spent. She took her own money the last time we went, and I, and I was very adamant about if you want something, you're going to buy it yourself. You know, try to teach her some life lessons. Money doesn't grow on trees. She spent her own money at the at Fan Expo. She doesn't have a whole lot of money going into this one. This was kind of my treat, and it was I want this, I want this, and they and the people behind the booths don't help. They're like, yeah, you really want this glowing necklace. It's a kid, you know, she's looking at it going, oh, you know, I need that, I need that. And I'm like, it's $35, you're not getting it. Well, can I get that Pikachu? Well, how much is a Pikachu? $26. But you, you're doing just cash and $26, that's kind of round. I said, well, you do 20 No, it's the last day, everybody's boxing up. You won't make a deal. Fine, here's the $26. Um, not all booths yeah, are a-holes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, hmm. no, I mean it's just kind of going with a game plan. It's like you don't buy everything right at the beginning, and and just trying to teach her not to uh, spend all her money in one spot. Yeah, she and he always need like a code work. word, you know, like a uh, like that's no. too much and that's the end of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my. It's no, no. No, no, no. See, that's not Too a subtle much, code not word. Enough. Oh, it was subtle. It was, it was as subtle as I could be. Uh, they, have, did, they did have one thing that was uh, kind of interesting. And one of the, the people at one of the booths that I know, they pointed it out. They said, there's not a lot of ventilation in this building. And you'll realize later on, it got very warm, mm. very quick. And huh. people start to get a little irritated, but... And we came out of the panels. Thankfully, we had the panels. Otherwise, I probably would have been gone by about noon. And we got there at 10. Mm. Uh, with the panels being there, we actually we sat in on one of the earlier panels, which was the Mohawk College animation program. It was basically an advertisement. They're sponsored, and they were telling people about the promotion and the, and the, the program. And thankfully, we sat in on that one, and we were able to keep our seats for the other two. Which was cool. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> cool. I was seat harding. So, so yeah, that was that was our adventures, and then it was home and Wendy's on the way home, and you know just nice and relaxing and Netflix for the night. Yeah, uh, Corey Feldman was there. I almost forgot about him. 
And uh, has anybody seen the Corey Feldman stuff that he did, Good Morning America, about two weeks ago? <laughs> okay, so is that what he brought? Was he there yes. with those like those two yes. angel guitar? Yes, yes. My daughter's looking That's at going, what, what? What do they have to do with Goonies? I said nothing. <laughs> He's standing Director there. Director Scott. Yeah, oh, and he was only there. He only was there signing for got to be a couple hours, and then he was gone. Did he perform? Did he sing? No, he was. He was. I, he might have while we were in the in the panel. I know that uh, David James or Jason Frank, the Green Power Ranger, he was there, and then he was there for, and gone. But he was doing. He was standing on his table, and he was talking to the crowd, playing to them for a little bit. Um, I think he was promoting his new movie and new character, uh, Bloodshot, the Valiant character. Really? He's playing Bloodshot? Yeah, he's playing. He just finished rapping last week. And oh, that's amazing. I've seen they um, they published images mm-hmm. of uh, of him in costume. I didn't uh, recognize him. Yep, that, that was him. So I think he was talking a little bit about that, but we just couldn't. And then I realized Corey Hames there. Or Corey, Corey, Corey Feldman. Corey Haynes did. Uh, Corey Feldman was there. That would be a panel I would want to sit in. And none of them were Corey Haynes. Dude, how'd you get back here? <laughs> if Corey Haynes was there, I would yeah. have went for sure. Hey, listen, I saw Corey Haynes towards the end. Corey Haynes was a production runner in Toronto on, a, on a, a TV series. I walked in in our lobby. There's Corey Haynes. I said, what's he doing here? He says he's running tapes. And then shortly thereafter, he died. But he That's didn't look, yeah, he kind of looked like Corey Haim. Yeah, he didn't look it. Well, dudes, like Halloween is coming up, and that's like sort of a time where the dead are perhaps closer to the living than not. If you could do a convention of the living dead, like bring back any convention personality to speak at a panel, who would you do? Hmm. Jack Kirby. Yeah. Oh, oh. Be- no. Can you really say the story about you and Stan Lee? <laughs> Oh man, he's back from the dead. He doesn't. He doesn't care. Like he'll say anything. He's got. He's got one hour. Yeah. I want to see. That would be the new debate: Stan Lee versus Jack Kirby. Ninety minutes. One moderator. (laughs) Forget forget Trump and Clinton. (laughs) Uh, The moderator interrupted Stan Lee fifty-one times. I would. I think I'd rather see Bill Finger versus Bob Kane. Ooh. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be a mess. <laughs> yeah, that'd be way more angry. Yeah. Why don't Finger? I don't uh, Bill Finger, Finger was the. Bill Finger was the artist on Batman originally, and Kane was the writer. Yeah, I guess we can say Bob Kane was a writer. <laughs> well, I mean, the original design, and I mean, it's the the design that they credit. Now is two finger that basically he 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 came up with the new concept and ripped up the old yeah Batman designs that, that they wanted to use and storyline right like he did the whole um was, did he, he, he did the parents dying and all of that oh um, wow okay yeah. Bill Finger did a lot more than uh, well let's face it back in the day I mean there was always one dominant personality and those were the guys that you know they stole everybody else's ideas. You know, Stanley mm. did it to Jack Kirby, and Jack Kirby's response was, "Fine, I'm going to DC." And then back to Marvel, and then back to DC, and then did he did he flip? I thought he only did the one flip flop. 
No, I think because he, he, after he's done at Marvel, he goes to DC and does Fourth World and New Gods. But then I think he comes back to Marvel for a period and does uh, Eternals. Mm, Eternals was awesome. Yeah. Oh, the um, I mean, circa the original Civil War crossover, uh, so like 2007, 2008-ish, uh, Marvel did an Eternals uh, relaunch with Neil Gaiman writing. Yeah. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, really amazing. Which, I mean, I guess, you know, I wonder, was it really that cut and dried, like, with uh, Bill Finger and Bob Kane? Like, is it possible that they were kind of batting the idea back and forth and it kind of just evolved? Or, uh, but like, like, I'm not familiar with this corner of the, the lore. The the storyline being is that Bob Kane was, he was the very flashy guy and he would have no problem talking over other people and basically claiming it for himself and says it enough times that it becomes true. And they said Finger was just a talented writer and artist, and but he wasn't in that celebrity circle. Bob Kane played, I'm Bob Kane, and I'm the guy that did Batman, and he told it to Hollywood, and he went to the big parties. And he got himself into places because of that, that it just, you know, if you say it loud enough and say it long enough, it becomes true. You know, and everybody just kind of went, okay, well, I guess it's, you know, his word against your word, and he's been saying it longer and louder, I guess we'll believe him. Hmm. And Finger just didn't... I, I, I Even back in the day, too, I mean, if you take a look at the guys like uh, Schuster and, and, and that... Siegel? Siegel and Schuster, they really didn't... They sold their characters for 150 bucks. They didn't get a lot of money for it, so what was the point of pushing for it if you were only going to make two or three bucks. If you'd known the character was going to be iconic, run 75 years and be worth multi-billion dollars, maybe you might have spoken up a little bit louder. But even when they died, they, were, they died in their 60s, 70s. I mean, the characters were not you know, as iconic. It wasn't iconic. what it is today, certainly. Exactly. The money wasn't there. Huh. So, James, who would you do? Who would you bring back from the, the grave to be at this panel? Oh, wow. You know what? I, I I'm gonna have to take a quick pass on that. I, I'm I've been putting together my list of people that I would have dinner with lately, and to to think who would I pull pull back? That would be uh, I, I all right. Maybe Gene Roddenberry. We were talking about him earlier, and be interesting to find out where he he sees his original concept versus where it is now, with the movies and the time warps and all the other shows and how big it got after he, he passed because he was only he, he passed and they were still in yeah. next generation correct I uh, yeah season, season it was yeah. a year star trek six came out okay so i mean a lot has changed with that series yep. and how you know huh. how far it's kind of gone from there so you, you know, know that's an interest sorry I'd uh go on james yeah i'd say gene roddenberry that'd be my it's interesting that you say that, because um, at the, the Hawaii Comic-Con, which I oh so subtly <laughs> mentioned <laughs> earlier, um, they interviewed Gene's son, um, Rod Roddenberry Jr., and um, I think uh, like William Frakes was there, the guy who played Commander Riker, Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov on the original series, uh, Nichelle Nichols, who played the original Uhura. Um, and they asked them all what Gene would think about, like, the state of the world in 2016. 
And the, the consensus, I think, between them was that, you know, Gene's vision of an infinitely diverse world, you know, we may be getting closer with the technology, but it seems like socially we're taking some steps back. So, you know, in light of that, it'd be great mm-hmm. to, like, to be able to bring, <laughs> to somehow resurrect Gene to do really clarify that point a little bit because it sounds like that interpretation mm-hmm. sounds spot on and i think it would be cool to hear what what he had to say about it it'd be interesting too if you take a look at the the technology and where we are now and all the things that were in theory you know ipads and cell phones and and all the stuff that even has taken leaps and bounds since you know say mid 90s and where we are, even 2000, where, where we stand today with technology. And it's almost like the technology is advanced, but the social aspect is maybe taken a few steps backwards. Marty, which who yeah. would you do? Oh, uh, bringing back from the dead, who... Uh, mm, first thing that came to mind was uh, Leonard Nimoy, but I guess it's so recent that... What, what do we learn? Oh, that now? counts. Yeah, That's, what do we, that was a good poll. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, interesting without anything to say to comment because we we hear that you know the uh, Sulu and and Kirk the actors didn't get along, but uh, be interesting to hear more about what really was going on behind the scenes from somebody who no longer has any stake in the game. So I think so, James. You said Gene Roddenberry. Uh, yeah. Marty Leonard Nimoy. This turned into like a Trek panel. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the I other think. thing that Trek uh, came up with recently? I mean, they made a pretty big, bold statement. Oh, the uh, you're talking about Trek versus Trump? Yeah, uh, uh, to have to have such a large group kind of take a a stance on behalf of one concept. I, you know, it's it's kind of interesting that they would kind of group themselves and say we are as a group united. And to see some of the names that aren't on that list, that kind of goes well. If you're not in that list, are you are you for or against you know the statement? Um, specifically, like uh, a William Shatner, Patrick Stewart's not yeah, on the list. Do, can they? All right, fair enough. They're both foreigners. Can they vote? Avery Brooks are they American also citizens? Uh, Avery Brooks also is not on that list. So three of the guys. I wonder, because I think there, there's some, isn't there some sort of law about like foreign nationals interfering in an election or something? So <laughs> that came from the uh, the episode of uh, uh, John Oliver uh, back during the. It's a Canadian law actually, uh, and it was back, it was John Oliver about a year ago during the Canadian election, and he willingly held out five thousand dollars and peeled it off like he was making it rain. And would gladly pay the five thousand dollar fine to tell all Canadians not to vote for Stephen Harper. It was a great. But there's episode. no such. He did a no huge, such penalty in the United States. I don't think there is, but uh, he 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 went on about uh, the Canadian election for almost his full episode, or at least half of his episode, was just on the Canadian election and why Canadians should definitely not be voting for Stephen Harper. And it was a fabulous episode, a really well done and well researched. And, is that uh, the one where he brought Dan Aykroyd no, out too to even Mike do a? Uh, no, he brought out uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Yeah, Mike Myers. I'm sorry. Mike Myers wearing a Leafs jersey, riding a Zamboni with a moose. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that now. That was good. 
It was well done. It was very well done. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Everything yeah. that John Oliver think, does is well done. That's true. Oh my yes. god! Ever like first thing every Monday is I catch up on whatever uh, whatever he's posted. Over yeah. Well, that that show that he does. I mean, he's he's. You kind of wish that he had a little bit more that he was on more than once a week, but he can gather up so much evidence and just put it all yeah. together in one show. It's kind of like I'm just gonna, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Here it is. Everybody's a target. I gotta go. It is. <laughs> oh, bummer. Aww. Yeah. Oh, but thanks, thanks for hanging out, yeah. Eric. No problem. Um, you have to stop <laughs> this recording so that I can go. <laughs> or I do. Yeah. So you get my track. Okay. We just started again. Um, all right. Brace for impact, everyone. Well, speaking of Trek versus Trump, let's take a look at who did sign. Uh, just going down the list off their Facebook page. Up at the top is J.J. Uh, Abrams, director and sort of like creative head of the latest trilogy. Uh, Scott Bakula, uh, lots of producers like Rick Berman's up there. Uh, LeVar Burton, uh, who else stands out? Come on. It's a long list. It's really impressive. Now, it'd be um, interesting to see J.J. Abrams. He's speaking out kind of in that Paramount round. Um, if he does anything or says anything or if there's any feedback from Disney. Because Disney has kind of stayed out of the whole political aspect. Oh, and do they they kind of frown on that? Well, you know, as a big publicly traded company, okay. and he's in charge of their new, you know, I mean, he's still a producer on Star Wars. Yeah. Is he is he kind of like the, the showrunner? Like, what's his what's his position in there? I think he's executive producer. It's it's a, It's a handoff. So okay. he, he gets to stick around and goes, this is where I started the story. Okay, you take over next. Okay, cool. Uh, we got Jonathan Frakes, uh, William Riker, uh, Walter Koenig, uh, Chekhov from the original the uh, original series. He could be the Chekhov McFadden. from the new series. Uh, Nico- uh, Nicholas Mayer, director of Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Nemesis, but mostly Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Can you change your IMDb and take the other one off? <laughs> Nemesis. Seriously. You can, you can be like John Byrne in Superman 4. Just have his name taken off. Linda Park is on here. Uh, Adam Nimoy and Susan Nimoy, uh, Leonard Nimoy's kids. Kate Mulgrew, uh, Captain Janeway from uh, Voyager. And also, like, the, you know, major star in Orange is the New Black. Yep. Hey, Robert Picardo is on here. Oh, and there's my man, Simon Pegg. <laughs> so, so, you don't, Pine? so you don't have to be an American citizen to sign. No, I guess it's it's just anyone who's like ideologically mm-hmm. I'm kind of against it. And that makes sense. Like the anyone who has even a passing like I don't know, philosophical interest in Star Trek can't possibly can't possibly support Trump. <laughs> oh god, it just keeps going and going and going. I'm still scrolling down. Uh George Kakai uh, Carl Urban, Will Wheaton. Yep. <clears throat> Just saying, man. When Wesley goes to gun against you, you know we all on the wrong side of the line. <laughs> He'll podcast you to death. He'll, he'll tweet you. <laughs> look out. Well, it'll be interesting because there's there's two more debates coming up this week, isn't there? Two this week? Well, there's the vice president's debate on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Which will be very interesting, especially with Everybody going up against Pence. Uh, he hasn't made a lot of friends lately. And 
And how can he defend everything that Trump's been saying? Yeah, it should be. I don't. I it'll either be a snore fest or it might get interesting from that point of view. But I'm not. And then next Sunday night is uh, round two. They should get Alec Baldwin to uh, moderate. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh, they need somebody you, to moderate. Did, did you guys see him last night? Did you guys see Alec? On Saturday Night Live? Oh, he was awesome. He uh, Because they lost Taryn Killam, who did the Trump impersonations for their political stuff on Saturday Night Live. And they brought in Alec Baldwin. And he, apparently he'll keep going until the election playing Donald Trump every week. And his, his impersonation was spot on. It was excellent. It was excellent. He was a lot of fun, and uh, they did their own version of the debate, and they went through some of the highlights and and uh, <clears throat> made it ridiculous and made it uh, everything. And Kate McKinnon was was her usual awesome self as Hillary, and it was uh, it was a very great it was a great episode. Season premiere last night. McKinnon was playing uh, Clinton as she usually. Yeah, McKinnon was Clinton, uh, which is pretty much the reason I think she won the Emmy. Uh, it's cause her Clinton, <laughs> her Clinton's been excellent since she started, uh, for a cut for a long time playing, uh, for a while now playing Hillary, uh, yeah, playing Hillary and, uh, Alec Baldwin as oh, that's cool, man. I would, they should totally do it like a, um, like an Andy Kaufman, like performance art. It's like have them never break character, oh, <laughs> you know, even off camera. But the thing is, you watch that debate, and you watch the the you watch the debate, and then you watch the Saturday Night Live version. All they did was just do a transcript of it, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah, they don't have to make jokes; they just have to repeat what happened in the actual debate. Well, did you hear yeah. the the latest line? I think I was reading earlier today was, you know, they said he he came out and said, "I haven't paid taxes for fifteen years." for the benefit of my companies. And they said, you paid corporate taxes. This is your personal taxes. It has nothing to do with the... Yeah. He's like, well, but I haven't paid taxes. I haven't needed to. How smart to. I am. Yeah. Look how smart I am. Yeah. I didn't want to waste my money. Yep. Oh, God. That so line, aggravating. The next debate, that's all you do is just keep going at him. Just keep going at him because of that. And you watch his face get redder. I'm watching with Chuck because I want to introduce her to some of the po- political stuff. She's like, oh, this oh, is boring. Man. I said, you know what? what? This is a good time for her to start. This is a exactly. good time for her to start because it can only get better. She, yeah. well, I, I showed her stuff and I said, I want you to be at least have a, a working knowledge of it. You know, you're getting to that age. The world is not a small little place anymore. Things that happen outside of our, our you know, Hamilton area do affect you. So I said, this is going to be a, a debate that people will talk about for many, many years to come. It's definitely not Clinton or uh, Kennedy versus Nixon, <laughs> but it wasn't far off because if you take a look at that, was one of the first televised debates, yep. and they still reference just how wrong one person got it and how right one other person got it. Yep. And I said, I want you to watch this. And she watched, and what she picked up on it was his face is getting redder. Mm-hmm. Why is his face getting redder? And she'd look at me and she goes, he went from orange to, it's darker now. Is he okay? (laughs) She's 11. And she picked up on that. That's awesome. So If you you needed it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. If you needed another reason to watch this weekend's uh, Saturday Night Live, Lin-Manuel Miranda is hosting. Oh, Hamilton's Lin-Manuel Miranda? Hamilton, an American musical? Yes. 
is hosting Saturday Night Live. It's going to be amazing. Like if anyone who's been following like the the Hamilton YouTube stuff, like he's just he's an amazing personality. Yep. On camera, I think he's gonna he's gonna crush it for sure. And, uh, Cecily Strong did a very quick uh, Hamilton impersonation. They were playing uh, they were playing Family Feud, and they had uh, Trump family versus um versus uh Hillary family but it wasn't really like their family it was just like a group of their supporters on either side and Cecily Strong did a little bit of uh Lynn Manuel Miranda and it was quite funny it was very and Lynn Manuel Miranda was tweeting about how honored he felt to be impersonated by such an awesome actress and it was pretty funny and Margot Robbie is Ivanka Trump yes Yes, Hot. very, very, very <laughs> good. I'm just going to throw that out there. Hot. Oh, man. Yeah, she was the host last night. I feel conflicted. Uh, the, the video of her as the librarian is worth watching, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. So much homework. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. You know, it's for a long time, I feel like Saturday Night Live has kind of been a little bit disconnected from what's going on in the world, it's kind of cool to see them getting like more political again. Well, it's, it's what they get right. You know, if, if you take a look at the, the better rated episodes is when they're, they're going after, they've got weekly fodder that they can go after somebody. Yep. And let's face it, this is, they don't even have to <clears throat> hire yeah. writers for this stuff. It's already, it's never going to be as good as it is right now. So I bet you they yeah, were kicking you... themselves. They were kicking themselves out. Why do we have to go on hiatus this summer? Why don't we just... Th- this is all gold. <laughs> Can you imagine the writer's room the night Trump was, like, announced as a nominee? It must have been like NASA launching a shuttle. <laughs> well, have you ever seen... There's, a, there's a, a great video, and it was basically, what if the whole thing was a spoof? And it was two, two comedy writers are hired by Donald Trump. This will be funny. This will really, really be funny. He'll be in and out of it in, in like, two weeks. And then it's like... <laughs> Make him say this. Yeah, this is great. You know, the voters will hate him. What do you mean he's up in the post <laughs> polls? Damn it! Um, I, let's let's have him do this. Have him punch a guy. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, it would it would work well for that. But it was these two comedy writers. I for, I got to try to find the clip again. And at one point, they have they're sitting in a room with a with a phone uh, speaker phone with Donald on the other line, and all you hear is him sobbing and them going, I know, I know. <laughs> we'll fix it, we'll fix it. Say you'll shoot somebody on the, on Fifth Avenue, and we'll see what happens. And they're like, he brings. He's like, I don't want to be president. God, he should just say that. Oh, he'll probably go up in the polls. You know what, I have, honestly, I would have believe it was true. Sometimes I really have believed that this whole thing was a publicity stunt that's just gotten out of control, and he doesn't know how to back out gracefully. No, and at this point it's too late. Just make fun of these guys, and we'll, see, we'll you know, make fun of the Mexicans. We'll see what, uh, oh crap, they, you know, other people supported him. Cool. Hey, it's October. It's, it's Wag the dog. Wag the dog, yeah. You know, movie. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a David Mamet movie, man. David Mamet, yeah. Yep. I have got to watch that. I am, you know, I've got to. I am going to make a point to watch that every single election cycle, just to remind, just to give myself some perspective. Dustin, how how much you're manipulated? 
Yeah, well, the whole premise was about um, them coming up with, like, a fake war or whatever to yep. prop up a uh, president or something. Yeah, because he had, so. um, he had, uh, had like, a Bill Clinton-type moment with a babysitter. Hmm. And it was to distract from that. You know, they hire the screenwriter and hire the... Uh, hire the other guys to, to uh, manipulate everybody. Man, I used to be great with that when I was younger, like having a like having a must watch, like a movie or show to kind of go with like what was going on. Did, uh, did, did any of you guys do stuff like that? Did you have like a movie that goes with like a certain time of year or whatever? Like Die Hard with Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like um like at the at the end of the school year, I always used to watch uh, Dazed and Confused. Mm. Like when I was in high school. You don't do it anymore. No, <laughs> as no, a teacher, I, don't. I still find it relevant. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should do. I should go and watch it again. Yep. Linklater's um his latest one is on Netflix now. I could do a double bill. Yeah, not as good, but a few moments. But it it yeah. kind of drags. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Did you see Boyhood? I did not. Okay. Me neither. I've been like that's also by Richard Linklater and yeah. it's supposed it's like this really ambitious Yeah. Like film. Yeah, I think it, it's just it, long. Yeah, I, I kinda <laughs> got the impression the story of how they filmed it is more interesting than what they filmed. But hopefully I'm wrong. Like clerks, some would say. No, <laughs> clerks is good. I still like clerks. <laughs> I like clerks a lot too, yeah. I'm just saying some would say. Yeah. Who are these people? Yep. Yeah, let's, <laughs> We're going to get their names off the internet yes. and go door to door. That's Jay and Silent Bob. Did, yeah. did you say that he sucks? <laughs> <laughs> what is the internet? And then eat my, and then... <laughs> oh. Expletive deleted, yeah. Oh, man. Lines that we cannot recount on this family-friendly podcast. Family-friendly podcast. Do you listen to this with your kids? <laughs> we can't ever. We can't ever. My students found this podcast. <laughs> what, what Did grade you know, write your name backwards like every other teacher does? What grade are you teaching Oh, I'm grade five and six. Oh, yeah. We were doing some internet research stuff, and one of them, like, Googled my name, and it came up. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we can't ever, ever. You know what? We just have to not swear for the first seven minutes. That's about the total attention span that they would <laughs> I thought it was That's a really good point. <laughs> After 35 minutes, we start swearing. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we can't keep pace with a Minecraft YouTube video, then we're then we'll lose them for sure. Yeah. No, we we're we're we good. Lost in the ratings to the Minecraft review. <laughs> oh gosh. Gotta love the internet and its rating system. <laughs> no kidding. Um do you guys have a Halloween movie? I don't know, Halloween's coming. Do any of you have like a must watch for Halloween? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we sort of were throwing out ones. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas, as as Eric would say if he was here, works both at Halloween and Christmas, and I usually watch it twice. <laughs> cool. Oh, that is a gorgeous movie. And just, like, uh, 
my little guy, who I'm going to now call Bam Bam, because his strength seems to be far exceeding what an eight-month-old should be able to do. Um, That's awesome. Bam Bam loves music. Anything with music in it, he's into. So I'm actually kind of excited for him to be – I don't he'll probably only sit there for five or six minutes worth, but uh, to try and watch it this year. Cool. Did you see the um there was a there was some YouTube video going around uh, a couple weeks ago of uh, of a live action nightmare uh before Christmas? I did see that video. Of like yeah. a staged uh Well isn't it's like, the, is it going to be the the, the actress I mean uh, Disney's basically taking all their animated properties or and making them uh live action. So Jack Skellington is a it'll, it'll star Johnny Depp and they'll do Jack Skellington's directed by Tim Burton. God, I don't know the source of it either. It would be cool if Burton was doing like an official like staged adaptation mm-hmm. because the video was really impressive. The guy's physicality like, you know, was a way, really, really good. Fantastic. The way he moved yeah. looked just oh, like it. Yeah, nothing fancy in the um, in the set either. All just no. like boxes, nothing animatronic or moving. But the strength of this guy's performance was unreal. Yep. It reminded me of how good the movie is. Yeah, exactly. But beyond that one, I like to go to the classics. I like to go back to Halloween, uh, even the original Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, and even uh, Friday the 13th. The the originals, the classics, that's what I usually dive back into my DVD collection for. Hey, everyone. It's Spears. Um, this is the part of the podcast where we hit some pretty bad uh, technical difficulties, but uh, Aaron is telling you now uh, that his favorite Halloween movies are Gremlins, for which he is roundly criticized, and uh, a movie called Monster Squad, which we're going to discuss at greater length. We now return to the podcast in progress. The war against the machines continues. Mr. That is a great one. And disappearing. Um, I think he was saying he was saying you know the Universal monsters come out and then uh, it's basically like a a little bit of a, a Goonies. You know the kids uh, are the only ones that know that the monsters are there and then they have to fight them, which uh, yeah, it, typical eighties movie, but really well done. And the stuff that you wouldn't get away with now, like I think it was PG, and they were swearing and carrying on. You know, things that kids aren't allowed to do anymore on being realistic kids. Written by Shane Black, who did Lethal Weapon and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and uh, the newest uh, movie this past year, Iron Man 3, but also The the Nice Guys that just came out not too long ago, which I just saw recently. It was quite good. 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 Nicholas Meyer should sit down and talk about movies. The Wrath of Khan guy, the guy who we were all like, ah, oh, except for Wrath of Khan. Well, Shane Black, I think, is doing the new Predator as well. Uh, he was in the original. Yeah. He, he wrote the original Predator and was in the movie as one of the commandos. <laughs> ah. He's one of the guys that gets knocked off by the Predator. Okay, I think, I think perhaps we have actually really lost Aaron. Yeah. Though not, I hope, to a Predator. Oh, that's a bummer. Yep. How about Cursing you, James? Technology. What you, James, what's uh, your go-to Halloween movie? You know what? I'm I'm a bit of a bah humbug. You know, I liked Halloween when I uh, when I was a kid. You know, dress up as superheroes or whatever. My kid loves it. 
I, I just don't get into it as much, you know, so I don't celebrate it as much. Uh, mm. I will say, I mean, she's big on the Disney. She'll watch nonstop the Halloween towns. I think there's like 30 of them now. Okay, uh, yeah. Shirley MacLaine and, you know, it's basically kids and monsters and ghosts and goblins. And so she loves that. And I wind up watching those with her, you know, at nausea. But, well, it's, it, it's not really my, my, you know, hey, I'm going to go and watch this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we're big, big uh, Halloween fans in our house. We uh, watch a lot, usually start uh, this weekend or soon. We start, as soon as October starts, we start watching horror movies again. Uh, we I usually do some sort of costume every year to wear to school or to go to friends' parties and things like that. So we do uh, we do a lot of Halloween stuff, and we have a, a huge section of our basement that's uh still has tons of Halloween costumes from over the years, as well as from back in our theater days at Mac and, and, uh, a big, uh, Halloween's pretty big around here. And we're looking forward to introducing Bam Bam to all big. of those things. That was a weird thing. Um, mostly because my, uh, my Halloween go-to is really lame and I would rather not dwell on it, but, um, Oh, go ahead. Say it. At least do you remember, we won't judge you. Yes, <laughs> I love you guys. Um, hey, at least we're upfront about it. Yeah, yeah. The um, you remember the uh, the Batman animated series episode where um, not the first time he confronts the. I think it's the second episode with the scarecrow, the one with the blimp. One with the blimp. Oh, the man bat. Uh, no, no, no. The um, the scarecrow. It's like I think his first go around with the um. With the gas, I can't even remember the episode name. I have it saved as a as like a video clip on my uh, on my computer, and I've had it for years. Um, but it's the um, anyway. He's filled the blimp with the fear gas, and it's flying over Gotham. And like Batman's dosed like early in the episode, and the whole thing is like you can't go out there. You're like it's still in your system. Um, and it ends with Batman like kind of like clinging to the scaffolding on this on this blimp trying to get into it to like to steer it away from the city and he has this hallucination and what the batman fears is his father telling him how disappointed he is and there's just there's a moment where he's clinging to the scaffolding where he like heroes up and he's just like he's like nope i know this isn't real because i've come too far and done too much and blur the Batman of it all. Pray to me. And like he kicks through the window and does the hero thing. But anyway, I, I usually watch like something uh, Scarecrow Batman related around yeah. Halloween time. I never even would have thought of that. Yeah. Well, we also tend to watch at Christmas uh, old West Wing episodes from their Christmas episodes. Uh, uh, Christmas so- like West Wing. They've got some great Christmas episodes from from the, especially the early seasons, and we'll quite often pull out one of those episodes and rewatch, uh, especially when we're both off for those two weeks at Christmas. Uh, so, watching TV episodes to celebrate your holidays is you're not alone. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, funny you should mention holiday traditions. 
because every so often the guys over at Red Letter Media, this is the worst segue ever, <laughs> by the oh, way. You, you, you can get worse. Come on. I'll see if I can outdo this. But over at Red Letter Media, for every Star Wars movie, they release a um, an in-depth review by their horrifying, horrifying character, uh, Mr. Plinkett. And the one for Episode 7 uh, went up this week. And you should include this in your tradition, because man, oh man, is it funny. Hmm. Really, really good stuff. So, Over sorry, at- they've just released it this week? Yeah, the episode 7 one. They're, these, the reviews for, like, the prequel movies, the Plinkett reviews are longer than the prequel films. <laughs> like, okay. they're 10, they're 10 part YouTube videos, and each part is, like, 15, uh, 20 minutes long. Wow. And it, it they it is a masterpiece. I think they've done all of the uh they did all of the Star Wars prequels, they did all of the Star Trek films hmm. and the the depth and the incisiveness of the review is just incredible. And but it's told by this character of Mr. Plinkett, who's like this sort of horrifying I'm not even sure how to describe it. He's like this this sort of like terrifying shut-in who kind of slurs his speech and has hopped up on like on booze and painkillers and he it 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 has to be seen to be believed. It's super not safe for work, but they're hilarious and their criticisms tend to be like spot on. And just the the like the gutting that the reviews delivered to the prequels was, as a fan, just so, so liberating to watch. Hmm. I, I, you, you have homework. I'm giving you homework. You have to send it enough. I will, I will post the link many times to Red Letter Media, um, on YouTube, but holy. And I don't know, it, um, I haven't watched the, uh, The Force Awakens one yet. I am saving it. Um, but the the prequel ones kind of got me thinking, like, about, I don't know, like, what, if you were kind of in the position of being an executive at Fox when George Lucas walks in with this script, right? Like, he walks in with The Phantom Menace and you're reading it. Like, what what would you do? You know, what could you have done? Well, they really couldn't do anything because George Lucas was paying for it all. Remember, the okay, but, but hypothetically speaking, if in a parallel universe where George Lucas would have taken notes. Okay, mm-hmm. let's put it this way. George Lucas walks in and says, I've got a Star Wars property. Here yeah. it is. Yeah. You look at it and you go, it's going to cost us nothing. It will make us a fortune. We may not be very proud of it, but it'll make us a fortune. <laughs> Those are the key words. <laughs> and it'll cost us nothing. Yep. All we have to do is distribute. It's Star Wars. It'll make us a fortune. Yep. Well, they they weren't wrong on that count. No. You know, it's you know, as much as you want to kind of go, well, yeah, we're we're here for the art. These are the people that made the Fantastic Four movies. <laughs> they're they've obviously their their judgment is is already suspect. <laughs> All right, granted. 
Absolutely granted. Ah, forget this. You know, we should delve into that at another time. Maybe maybe when Rogue One comes out in, what, 70, 75 days or something? Oh, oh the toys are out. <laughs> yeah? Have you seen them? Yeah, I saw them. They were actually very, very good. Very well done. Um, you know, again, they're really pushing this time. I think they're they're learning from their last mistake where they got in trouble for not pushing Daisy's character, Daisy Ridley's character. Daisy, like, oh, yeah, they, um, I remember there was like, a, there were very few Ray, Ray character. Yeah. And this one, they're really pushing the lead character in, in this, the, uh, the other young lady. And I, I, her character's name is escaping me, but, uh, it's that. And then the other mercenaries that are in part of the group that all make up the, uh, the, the commando unit that goes off. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny when you see all, you know, the Disney store has all the costumes and they're like, get your kid's death trooper costume. <laughs> <laughs> Could you not call them Right next else? to Peter Pan and Captain Hook. There was a Captain, there was a Peter Pan costume. There is the, the new girl's costume. They've still got Ray's costume off to the side, but they've got the new black death trooper. And I'm like, it's even called death trooper for toddlers. <laughs> oh you know, man! Sizes three to three to sixteen. You know, come get your Death Trooper costume, <laughs> <laughs> mommy, mommy. I want to be a Death Trooper. Thank goodness they weren't on board for Indiana Jones, man. Imagine them making antagonist costumes for Raiders. <laughs> mommy, mommy, I want to be the Nazi <laughs> Ooh, with real melting face, melting, melting mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, man? We used to when um, I remember when my cousin uh, Jeff first showed me and my brother Raiders. I think we we like played it once, and I had him like hold on to like a uh, we had a post in our basement, like a support post. I was just like, "Don't look at it. Just keep your eyes shut." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love I that movie. Did, right? Squeeze oh. your eyes shut, just as just at that part. It ranked right up there with uh, Ghostbusters in the opening scene in the library. Mm. Oh, that well, that was terrifying as a kid. That scene, both of those scenes, it's still kind of terrifying now as an adult. You know it's coming. Yeah, I. You know the effects in indie haven't held up quite as well. No, but like the, the, they're still the, a lot of fun. The music, oh really, yeah, the music is just so good. You can't help but cheer when uh, when that when that music cue comes in and he swings across something or finally gets the plane in the air, like all that kind of stuff. So good. Oh yeah. Uh, did you see? Um, shoot, I don't know who did it, but some dude up on YouTube posted a, like a hypothetical Indiana Jones animated series opening. Yeah, there was. A, yeah, there was something new. Oh I, god, that, I it put a smile it. on my face, man. And they they really. I was surprised that they didn't just do the Raiders March as the background music. Mm. You know, they but what they did use kind of it captured the feel of it. And you know, and they kind of right at the end they give you the like da 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 like mm. right at the end and it ah oh, I would have I would have watched that every week as a kid. I might still. Well, hey, there's a lot they, they, Disney's own the, owning the property. They do plan they got on getting in, him. Well, they got they got they all got, Lucas films, they got Indy too. Everything. They got so that four billion was Star Wars and the Indiana Jones properties. The only one that they did not get, the only movie that they didn't get out of the entire uh, combined franchises, was Star Wars 
Episode Four: A New Hope, which is just Star Wars. But that's the only one that's technically owned by Fox, and Fox huh. can only show it, you know, if it's got the other the other ones. Otherwise, it's kind of redundant. So they have to make a deal with Disney to to uh, show the other movies, vice versa. Other than that, I mean, the Indiana Jones movies and all of that is now 100% owned by Disney. Disney needs to get this guy. Oh, gosh. I'm, I will post it in the liner notes. I'll post a link to his video. But they should get the guys who made this video and well, tell them to go ahead. You guys posted it on Facebook, did you not? Yes, we did. Yes. So just go to Facebook. I don't want to risk crashing this recording program. No, I meant people can just go to our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, our, or on Twitter. Or on, <laughs> is it Amazon and Voodoo and Zulu? And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, the best place to find is on the website. The website archives everything that we post, geekswithkids.ca. That's a good place that people should go in general. Make it your homepage. What other pages really? do we have? <laughs> oh, they can definitely find us on Facebook at uh, geeks with facebook.com slash geeks with kids podcast. Um, they can find us on the Twitters at uh, geeks with kids uh, CN, which means Canadian. Um, and they can search us up on uh, Stitcher or iTunes. Um, iTunes reviews and uh, comments are always super duper welcome. Positive or negative. Well, that seems as good a place to leave off as any. Uh, For Geeks with Kids, I am Spears. I am James. I am Marty. And And Aaron is somewhere. (laughs) Aaron and Eric separately say a hearty majram. Uh, Majram, everybody. Uh, Thank you for listening. We out now. Have a great day.